And welcome back to Coast to Coast, George Norrie, along with Cheryl Jones. Cheryl, how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was fine. How was yours? It was great. Uh, Cheryl, by the way, has been a news anchor, meteorologist for the networks of CNN, the Weather Channel. Are you seeing the weather change much across the country? Well, in certain parts, but uh, where I am, basically in the southeast, it's been pretty pretty good and pretty uh, mild, but not as much as it could. So I think we're just uh, now going uh, through the fall season and uh, toward winter, and we'll see what uh, what happens. Absolutely. Did uh, you make your own meteorological predictions when you were a meteorologist? Uh, yes and no. That's kind of a, you know, a basic thing there. Um, when you work in weather, depending on the year and how technology had developed, but um, there are different models that come in from the Weather Service, um, and you always look at all of those. Uh, it's different in every station or network that I've worked in. It depends on the level of help you have behind the scenes, which is generally has been, in my case, practically nil. But uh, you do take whatever the National Weather Service gives, and you take a look at it. You take a look at the history of what is uh, pertinent to your particular area or to whatever, whether you're doing it locally or nationally. It's a different story. Um, and then you, you can come up with your own version, uh, but you have those things to go by. Those are great guides. And uh, once you do, you, you work in, in a situation for a while, you know, you kind of get the hang of it and you see what works most often and what doesn't. I bet you prided yourself on your accuracy. Your percent was probably pretty high. You like to, you'd like to take credit for all of those good forecasts, but you'd like to just kind of pass it off if you miss the mark. Now, demonology, how'd you get involved on in that topic for us? This is uh, a returning guest, and she's no stranger to the paranormal. She's gone face-to-face with demons of the underworld, and she was my first guest, actually, George, when I joined Coast with you more than four years ago That's now. right. That's right. I know. Time flies. Well, tonight, Terry Lynn Keel returns and shares personal accounts of her amazing paranormal life events. She's an investigator of all things paranormal and on a quest to help others with similar encounters. As a practicing demonologist, exorcist, and reverend, she's also a speaker, author, podcast host, and blogger for Enigmatic Anomalies with Kill Media and Paris Productions with her husband, Kevin. She's on the board of directors and is a membership director for MUFON. And in part one of our interview here tonight, she describes in chilling detail her strange and dangerous encounter with an ectoplasmatic demon, exorcisms using gifts of discernment, and the void and the veil connected to her near-death experience. Listen now to our conversation. Hi, Terry. Welcome back to Coast. Thank you. It's so good to be back. It's so great to have you back. Your paranormal experiences and research span a myriad of different aspects of the supernatural world. Tell us about that. Well, I have had experiences since 1957 to recently, just last week, (laughs) and uh, they just continue to go. So uh, my life has really been a 
life of paranormal, which has become my normal throughout my entire life of many different facets of both interdimensional, demonic, angelic, spiritual, and many other realms. We'll talk about some of those astounding encounters that you've experienced. First, tell me about your near-death experience and what you describe as the void and the veil. Well, in 1973, I had a powerful experience with the Lord. And he said to me, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He had actually appeared to me, your resurrection. And, you know, being young and in great health, I laughed at him because I was just 21 years old. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And it was at that very moment, my body hit the floor in his presence, and I was dead, completely dead, and surrounded by the darkest, blackest void. And I had then entered this void completely unaware of what to expect. I was dead and totally separated now from the life we live here on this side of the veil. I was alone. I was terrified. Being dead was a horrifying experience for me. And once this reality really hit me that the light wasn't coming back, this great heavy darkness was going to remain, I started begging, actually screaming uncontrollably that I wanted to live. And I was crying through the hardest tears And it was just a horrific fear that had enveloped me at that point. And I was so completely without hope. And I knew at that point I was eternally lost from the life I had been living those 21 years. I was now in a vastly different place. I don't know how long I was actually in that realm of the dead, but he did bring me back after I experienced a complete cracking from the tip of my head to the bottom of my toe, as if my original shell, the person I died, that shell that died, uh, was stripped from me somehow. And I arose a very different new creature somehow. And yet I was still me. You know, two other people were also in the room with me when this happened in my experience. And they watched my body rise up from the floor without my arms or legs assisting me. And that completely horrified them. And so completely that it said it changed their entire belief in God instantly. Once later, I told them about what I had experienced. It was very powerful. Terry, how did that near-death experience change you? Well, it increased my faith in a God I did not know very well. I had been raised a Catholic and I read the catechism, so I didn't really have a deep understanding of who God was, but I knew there was a God. And this was an invitation that he gave me to life, to live, and It became a uh, reality for me for the first time, and it changed everything about who I was. I was no longer that same person that had died and hit the floor in his presence. I was now completely submissive to his will for my life, and uh, that was pretty shocking back uh, in that day when I was 21 because, you know, that wasn't the norm. 
You had mentioned to me gifts of discernment that you received. Tell me about that. When I came back and he raised me up, he handed me something and I reached out to take them from him. And as I did, it was something I couldn't see with a physical eye, but I could feel very powerfully with an internal spiritual eye. And as I brought it into me, it just kept coming, coming at me and it uh, actually enveloped me. And I was feeling so completely brand new and bright, bright, white and clean. And I just felt this power like I had been cloaked with a form of power that I just couldn't even put into words at the time. I found out later that what I had been given were gifts and different understandings from the spiritual realm that he gave me. And I would be later using these because he also said, you are my chosen child. And I said, chosen? Chosen for what? And at the time, I didn't understand what he was trying to show me. But he was choosing me for the gift of helping others through deliverances and exorcisms and to be able to know people and understand people and help people. And you've told me you use those gifts in participating in exorcisms. How and why did you start doing those? Well, because I had also had so many demonic attacks from the many realms that we face here on the earth that I knew I needed to study the scriptures for guidance to help others, you know, who were as lost as I once was. And everybody fights these spirits and these demons of the lower realms. And we all need assistance because we don't always come equipped with the knowledge and understanding of how to do battle when these things come against us. And then you go on to say in some of your writings that you have been involved with ectoplasmatic demon cleansing. Can you describe what an ectoplasmatic demon is? It is a demon that comes out of nothing. It forms itself out of a white material that looks very much like smoke in the beginning that you can see through, but then later it gains a substance where you cannot see through it. In 1968, I had had an experience with uh, two friends that I had known uh, for quite a long time, and I had gone to an apartment with both of them, and we were sitting around in a very dimly lit apartment, and I noticed that there was this mist on the floor, and uh, initially I thought something was on fire, and I thought, well, something's burning, and it was maybe four inches by four inches. It started small, but then it grew. It was taking form, and the higher it got, it got to about five or six feet tall. And this face began to emerge out of this smoke, and it stared at me. And so uh, these other two in the room saw it and jumped up and ran down the stairs and out of the apartment. But I couldn't, and it came right at me, and it came quickly, swiftly from where it was right at me, and I felt it permeate my human being. I mean, I felt this. It was more than just a wind going through me, and all of a sudden, I let out a huge scream and jumped up 
and ran out of the apartment down the stairs. And the other two were down there just standing there. And I came down there going, oh my God, oh my God, what did you see? What happened up there? And they said, well, what did you see? And I said, I don't know, some kind of white ghost. And they said, we saw the same thing. And I thought, oh my God, they both got in their cars and left. So here I was standing all by myself downstairs and I just got in the car and I thought, oh my God, my eye hurts. My eyes are killing me. They were itching so bad from this thing going through me that I took myself to St. Anthony's Hospital, which was just a block or so away from where this apartment was. They referred me to an ophthalmologist and said, you've uh, had some kind of an accident here. What happened? And there was no way I was going to tell them, well, I saw a ghost. And so I uh, ended up seeing a ophthalmologist that next morning. And sure enough, he said the same thing to me. Oh my gosh, what happened? It looks like you've had a terrible accident. And I did not tell him the truth either. There was no way I was going to reveal that. Amazing. Amazing. How do you go about casting out the evil spirits? Do you use any special technique? I have studied vastly amounts of scripture. And what I do is exactly what I read that the Lord does. I go to the person that has called me to help them. And I ask a few questions, do a little bit of an assessment. And then I see or feel the demonic realm that they're involved with or that has encompassed them, taken possession of them or are oppressing them. And I ask the person if they would like me to set them free from these spirits, because it's very important. I cannot help anybody or deliver anybody of any type of spirit or demonic entity that they have befriended. In other words, if they love doing drugs, that demon is not coming out of them. If they love alcoholism, that demon is not coming out. But if they say they no longer want these entities controlling them, then I can cast them out in the name of Jesus. These things come out instantly in the name of Jesus because it is a powerful name and no other name has the authority to cast out these lower realm spirits other than his name. Your special technique is somewhat different from some of the exorcisms that are done. I assume that different people use different techniques. Yes, they really do. Uh, I don't try to pretend to do the smoke and mirror kind of thing. I just go by what is factual and written within the Talmud and the Bible and the Torah, and I keep it biblical, and it has worked every single time. When you cast out one of these demons, what's the chance that they may later try to come back in? Once they're released, they can come back. And biblically, it says, if you bring them back in, they can come in with seven times the amount of demons that you delivered them from. So this is why when people are brought through exorcisms, they've got to be educated to know not to bring these things back into their lives. She knows what she's talking about, Cheryl. Yes, that's some pretty scary stuff, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. And uh, that last question was very important, that they can come back almost 10 times worse than they started. 
Yes, that's that's very very scary. A demon coming back with a vengeance um, is definitely something you want to avoid, and uh, I, you know I can only imagine she's a pretty strong person to have been through everything that she's been through, and we're not through telling some of the stories yet. And I also have an update from Terry tonight regarding that eye injury that she described. Yeah, yeah. Encounter with the ectoplasmatic demon in 1968. Now, this was over 50 years ago, and she tells me now that a recent eye exam with an ophthalmologist that she had revealed the old scarring in the back of her eye, and that is still there. And this is a new doctor, a new ophthalmologist, and the doctor asked her what happened, and she said she decided this time to be truthful to the doctor, and so she told him about the demon. And needless to say, she said the doctor was stunned, and George, it's definitely not something any medical student is going to learn about in medical books. What can we expect in part two of your interview with Terry? Well, when we come back, she tells of an, an eerie skinwalker-type apparition that left a mysterious mark, what it's like to go face-to-face with a demon from the underworld and how she fought back. And she'll tell more about demon clearings and home cleansings. Cheryl, before you started getting involved in all of this, were you a believer in things like this? I, yes, somewhat, but not as involved as I am now in, you know, all the research that I'm doing. And, and when I started listening to Coast, which was way back in the Art Bell days, of course, I peaked, my interest peaked in a lot of different ways. And I really started listening uh, way back then just because of my interest in UFOs and uh, how that wasn't being covered in the news. And one thing leads to another. So uh, here we are. Cheryl's website is her name, linked up at coasttocoastam.com. She spells her name with two L's, by the way, in Cheryl. And uh, definitely send her an email every once in a while. Story ideas are well. She appears on the last Thursday of the month every month for us here on Coast to Coast. And next hour, we're going to open up the phone lines, and we'll do it in an open line forum with Cheryl. So any questions you might have about things that she's covered in her career, jump aboard with that as well. But we'll be back with part two as we talk about demons on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back. George Norrie along with Cheryl Jones. Cheryl, can you believe in some time zones we're already into December? Yes, we are. My Gosh, what a fast year, wasn't it? it, it absolutely. And some, some time zones, it's uh, way past midnight, too. Oh, yeah, it sure is. It sure is. But, man, I, I don't know. This With the COVID years, it was kind of difficult. But this seems like a fast year. Would you say it was a, a good year for you? Uh, overall, I, I'm more concerned about the big picture and what's happening in our country and around the world with uh, so many things on so many fronts that we really do need to pay attention to and to follow far more closely than mainstream news is leading us to believe. 2024 is going to be a very strange year, my prediction. What do you think? I don't see how we can miss anything but a strange year coming up in 24 with the election, with the way everything is getting twisted at every turn like pretzels. So, yes, I think you're absolutely correct. Don't forget, open lines with Cheryl next hour, so get ready to jump aboard. So get into part two of this incredible story of demonology. Okay, George. I'll continue my conversation with practicing demonologist and exorcist Terry Lynn Keel. 
She's been involved with performing exorcisms, deliverances, and house cleansings for many years now. And in segment two, Terry describes in chilling detail for us what it's like to go face-to-face with a demon from the underworld that tried to trick her by appearing as someone she knew and how she fought back. And most recently, in another strange paranormal encounter at her own home, a scary skinwalker-type entity involving an apparition that left behind an eerie etching on a brick wall and that's still there tonight. Well, those pictures will be soon linked up on her website and also her Facebook at Paris Paranormal. Terry says with clearings and casting out negative energies and entities, those she helps must understand the steps they need to take to keep those negative energies away and why that work afterwards is so very important. Terry believes that sharing her paranormal experiences like she is here tonight with us will help others deal with similar traumatic but not uncommon paranormal ordeals. Listen now to our conversation. Terry, you also do demon cleansing as opposed to home cleansings. Can you describe that? Yes. Uh, a demon cleansing is when you have used the Ouija board or you have used tarot. And these things have gotten out of hand where you've used psychic powers, where you've used things that you are unaware of. And all of a sudden you have issues. You've got things happening in the house. You've got noises you never had. You have issues with things moving or uh, disembodied voices, that type of thing. I can go into a house as long as people want the help and are willing not to return to the same type of things that they previously have been a part of and are serious about it and cleanse that house. And that, again, is done exactly the same as an exorcism uh, with the anointing of oil and with rebuking it and binding it in the name of Jesus. And I have never had issues when people were seriously seeking help. You certainly wouldn't go by yourself. No, absolutely not. I wouldn't consider going without my husband, Kevin. I do believe that uh, two need to go. Can you do the demon cleansing and clearing from a home remotely? Yes, actually we can. Zoom has been a really powerful uh, tool to use, and a lot of us found that out during COVID. So if someone were to reach out to us, we could set up a Zoom, and we could, if the person wanted to go along with the entire way that we would do it if we were personally there, and that would be to denounce anything that they're experiencing, then we could do a cleansing and an anointing, I would have them then anoint the oil and I would walk them through the process and we would just go through the room or sit with the people. Mostly it is the people that have the issue, not as often as the home. Once you've worked with someone who's had a demon in the home, a spirit that's negative or in an exorcism, how do you work with them? Do you teach them to do the kinds of things that you're talking about here now? Yes, I do. They're not always equipped to do the binding and the rebuking. That takes understanding. That takes training. That also takes a deep unshakable faith. And it's different with each person. Different people have different levels of faith and understanding and dedication to the Lord. 
or to the Holy Spirit. And if they do understand, and I feel that they can relate, then I would say, yes, go ahead and pray or anoint yourself or your family members or anything that happens. But if not, I am always available to return. Tell me about what you're calling a skinwalker encounter involving an apparition. In 2021, we purchased a house. Well, actually, in 2020, we purchased a house here in Paris, Tennessee, and it was vacant for quite a while. And the home is built on old Indian territory here. I believe the Chickasaw Indians, and they used to use this particular area to come and the different tribes would gather, and it was considered a place of blessing. Well, over the years, the house was built here. In 1852 to 1854, the house was constructed, and uh, when we moved in in 2020, about a year later, my son and his wife were living in the downstairs parlor of the house, and uh, that was their bedroom. And they experienced a black shadow figure, which moved across the wall, and it literally went in front of their TV and turned the TV on. And it then went into the ladies' parlor, which was then their son's room. And from there, it went out the French doors to the porch. It jumped down off the porch and ended up in the backyard. And then it went out towards this little house that we've got to the left of the property, right out on the backyard. And all of a sudden, this thing stood up and took form. And when they saw it, it morphed into a skinwalker type of an apparition. And it then disappeared. And we went out the next day in the light, and we noticed that it had appeared on the north side of this little house as a vine outline, which is still there to this day. This thing actually had, it was a huge, big, and very powerful black spirit, but it had this diadem of something sticking off of its head, which was quite frightening. And that is actually etched into the side of that house. Amazing. You also write about demons of the underworld that you say you've come face to face with. Can you tell us about that? Back in the 80s, I was in my bedroom in a room in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and I was just in the room, had sat down and was going to read a book and noticed there was someone standing in my doorway and it was someone I knew. And the person that was standing there, as far as I knew, was alive. So I thought, this is who it was. And I spoke to this apparition that looked 100% like the person that I knew, dressed identically to them, and literally had every bit facial coloring, hair coloring, eye coloring, everything was a perfect match. And when I spoke to the apparition, something about it wasn't right. And I knew then I wasn't looking at the person, but I wasn't sure. I couldn't wrap my mind around what I was talking to, and I wasn't sure what was happening. And then I said, how did you get into my bedroom? 
And so the minute those words left my mouth, this particular spirit, this was the apparition of something from the underworld. This was a fully demonic apparition that was a familiar spirit using the facial and body lookalike of someone I knew. It was drawing me in to have a conversation with it, to question it. And as I did, this thing went tornadic. It literally started turning as a tornado would. And out of this glob of what it became, a face came out of it. And again, like when I was 16 years old, this face was different from what I'd seen as a 16-year-old, but yet as demonic and as frightening and as powerful as that was. It was so frightening. It absolutely uh, had me a victim. I was just a victim stuck watching it in fear. And as it was doing its tornadic spin, I was able to say, get out in the name of Jesus. And the minute I said, Jesus, its spin stopped dead and turned around and ran out of the room. Amazing. It's so chilling to hear these stories. Terry, why do you think you've been the target of so many demonic forces or have been involved in the encounters? Why do you think you were chosen? I do believe that I was chosen to be a help. And help looked like being an exorcist. And being an exorcist was a way that I could bring comfort and help and peace to people. But to be an exorcist, you've got to walk in a place of no fear. To get to a place of no fear, I felt like I always had to be in the middle of poltergeist and demonic activity so that I could overcome the fears that others wouldn't be able to. Terry, it's not always easy to tell or share these kinds of very, very personal stories, especially when they're of the paranormal nature and they're so dramatic. Why did you initially decide to start writing about this on your blog and sharing your information and what has happened to you and what you've seen? Well, I believe that the Lord wants me to comfort those who've gotten entangled in all forms of darkness. And our world right now is darker today than it's ever, ever been. And we're all having some kind of attack one way or the other. And I know that everybody knows we're never alone on many levels. We are never alone here. Either there's an angelic realm around us, a demonic realm, a spiritual realm, or any other type of interdimensional realms. And there's just so many spirits seeking us out. So this being a complete truth, we now need help more than we ever have before. And this is why I've decided to write about this and take a very firm stand. What do you want our listeners to take away from what you've shared with us here tonight, Terry? Well, I think the best thing to say would be to understand that these encounters are all very real. These things are happening to a lot of people. People don't always talk about them because they're embarrassing. 
They're frightening. So don't get involved with deliverances and, and exorcisms unless you know how to overcome the demonic realm without fear and in the power of God. If you don't know, the takeaway then is find someone who does. What's coming up next for you? We've got EnigmaCon coming up uh, here in Paris, Tennessee in March of 2024. And uh, we do all kinds of different podcasts and we're on Facebook and you can reach us there as well. It's facebook.com forward slash Paris Paranormal. And you can reach us at hauntedparis at usa.com or you can go to uh, www.ea-tv.com and reach out to us. Terrific. And your website, too, is there. That's right. It's Terry, T-E-R-I, and Ling, L-Y-N-G-E.com, TerryLing.com. Thank you so much, Terry. It's been fascinating. It has been enlightening. And we really appreciate your sharing all of your personal stories and your amazing life encounters with the paranormal world with all of us here tonight on Coast. Well, thank you so much for having me. You know I love being with you, Cheryl. She's darn serious about her work, Cheryl, isn't she? She is very powerful. She'd be a good person to have around if you were a little shaky. Why do you think invoking the name Jesus works? I don't have all the answers, but it has to be it has to be this confidence and the trust that one would have um, in knowing and believing that something good is going to come of of uh, of your power and your faith. Does does she continue to do what she's doing? She travels all over the place. Has she ever been harmed? Uh, Not except for that one situation that uh, she described uh, with the echoplasmatic um, Mm -hmm. demon with the eye injury. So that's the only one that I'm aware of or that she has shared with me. Uh, She's had lots of other events and paranormal uh, encounters over her life. She said that they started at a very early age, and just from time to time, different things would happen. And uh, she, like many people, did not want to tell anybody because she knew they wouldn't believe her or felt that uh, they would think she was crazy. So, so now I think we're in a situation where people are starting to be more open about these kinds of things and about... Uh, unexplained and mysterious events happening, whether it's paranormal, uh, supernatural, whatever uh, it is. So um, it's an interesting time that we live in with all of this coming out. She's definitely not a fan of the Ouija board, is she? No, she isn't. She definitely isn't. And uh, the situation that she described with the apparition, the skinwalker-type apparition, um, they're efforting to put the uh, photographs on her website or on her Facebook at Paris Paranormal. There's been a little bit of a technical glitch there so in doing so, but those will be coming shortly. All right, we're going to come back in a moment and take calls with Cheryl Jones in an open line format. And you know our new format here. If you've called the guest who was on for the first two hours, you're still eligible to call in on open lines. Don't forget that. 